how are these thinner margins? How is that going to affect you know the the buying and selling uh, and developing of hotels? And that's that's something that is uh, particularly over the next twelve to eighteen months is going to be interesting to watch. Welcome to the REIT Report. I'm your host, Sarah Borgson Keto. The travel and lodging sector was one of the hardest hit sectors during the pandemic. And while it has seen a recovery since then, challenges certainly remain. Here to discuss the latest in the sector is Daniel Weedy, partner in Morris, Manning and Martin's hospitality, real estate, and real estate development and finance practices. Daniel, thanks for joining the podcast today. Thank you, and thank you for having me on. Can you describe the state of lodging sector fundamentals nationally as of mid-year and how different segments of the industry are performing? Overall, there's a lot of optimism I mean, in, in this industry you know, for hotels. I think I heard on CNN this morning, there's only 56% of economists are still predicting no, no recession, no recession. So, and even if there was a light recession, I believe that, uh, you know, light recession being, you know, no mass layoffs, and the household finances being in a strong position sort of to mitigate those uh, uh, recession impacts, you know, it's still looking like a really strong year. Uh, there is, but there are clearly winners and losers within this very large industry. The winners are still the sort of the drive to, what you're hearing about, you know, the drive to hotels. So you can get and you can get in your car with your family, drive to the beach. They're still, uh, you know, way above uh, 2019 levels. The losers are still sort of the group travel, the big, the big center city, large hotels that uh, that rely on convention, they're still been hit very, very hard. The new development, uh, there's still you know there's still issues there, like higher construction uh, material costs, uh, higher interest rates are going to like put a bit of a of a of a dampener on new development. But that actually helps existing hotels, right? Which is which which bodes if you're if you're buying a stabilized hotel, um, it's going to bode very very well for you. So overall. I think there's a lot of optimism in this industry, and I think at least for the next several years, that's likely to stay. Geographically, what performance trends are evident to you? The saying that I've been hearing in the last couple of years, you know, what they call the smile states, you know, that starting from, uh, you know, the the Carolinas sort of through the the southeast across Texas through you know Arizona, maybe even to Southern California, the smile states they continue to do exceptionally well. Uh, California might be lagging a little bit because it's tough to do business there, but but anywhere, essentially anywhere that you can drive to, back to the drive to, anywhere you can drive to, the leisure markets, drive to markets, they are just doing exceptionally well right now. Um, you know, think of the Panhandle of Florida if you're from the southeast, or Charleston, Lake, you know, uh, mountain communities. Um, that's going to continue to do well geographically. If you can drive to it, they're going to continue to do well. What sort of analysis are hotel operators making as they assess which guest services are must-haves in today's environment and which can be jettisoned? So the pandemic changed us, right? I mean, I think that the the, the must-haves are probably, you know, best practices, cleaning, you know, enhanced safety protocol, that's still there. I mean, it's just, we've been through a lot. That's still central in the consumer's head. Technology. Technology was changing even before, uh, was continuing to advance even before the pandemic, but but Wi-Fi up to date, not just slow Wi-Fi, but you know, state-of-the-art Wi-Fi everywhere in a hotel, lobby, your room, et cetera. That's still gonna be there. You know, we're seeing more of like mobile check-in, which I don't know that that's quite a differentiator, but it's it's there. And I think technology is kind of that second sort of must-have. Uh, 
and some, you know, you know, fitness facilities. It used to be sort of a closet somewhere. I think that's kind of fitness facilities and maybe food and beverage, but that also has changed. So um, it's not exactly the same as it was pre-pandemic. There's still a lot of grab and go. Um, uh, there's still a need for, uh, I think the, the breakfast, the morning breakfast and certain uh, with, with certain brands are coming back uh, afternoon drinks and things. So that's so, so sort of those would be the four, I would say still must haves in this industry, uh, safety, technology, you know, perhaps fitness and, and, and a decent F and B selection. But okay, the, the flip side is that is what can we get rid of? Right. So if we, that's what we have to have, what are the not so haves or what can we get rid of? And I think maybe one of the real silver linings of this pandemic has been, you know, when people didn't want their rooms cleaned every single day and then they figured out, you know what, they don't need turn down service. So that helps that that really helps the bottom line. If you can um, the number one um, cost, you know, is personnel uh, is labor. So if you can have daily housekeeping, uh, reduce that um, and convince consumers that, uh, that that's either better for their health or not necessarily better for the environment. That's clearly being jettisoned. I think we'll continue to see more of that. Uh, and less with technology. I mean, it's, we still struggle as an industry to attract talent and we're, they're going to continue to struggle. It is a tough industry to be in. And if you can have less front desk staff because of technology and, uh, and uh, remote uh, touchless check-in, that I think also we're going to see sort of fewer and fewer people sort of hanging out in the lobby for the hotel and more that are um, uh, they're going to focus on uh, room cleaning and other aspects. Are there other ways in which hotels are looking to maximize the bottom line, such as offering new types of accommodation packages? And that's it's a good question. Of course, there's two ways, right, to grow that bottom line. You can either grow revenue and you can, or reduce expenses. So if you're growing revenue, your traditional ways you know, group bookings or direct bookings, cross promotion. I mean, that, that's kind of there, still there, right? So guests, particularly post pandemic, are willing to pay more for unique experiences. So this industry has to do better at figuring out, you know, how to provide those unique experiences. Uh, I was just walking by actually a, a, a Moxie in, in Midtown. And when you get people that are willing to pay $22, you know, for, for, for a drink that, uh, you know, has shaved dry ice and, and is, you know, produced with a blowtorch or that, that, you know, for instead of a, instead of a $4 beer, you know, that's an experience, right? I mean, bravo, that is just, that is giving people what they want. So if you can just continue to grow revenue by uh, charging guests more for experiences that they want, there is, uh, you know, upselling. If you can, uh, if there is a, if there's a service, that uh, I think hotels have been providing that haven't been charging for. And some of them are charging for early check-in or late checkout or parking fees or pet fees. There's certainly that, that's another way to drive a post-pandemic revenue. You know, promotional, you know, stay over the weekend. If people don't wanna, uh, um, if there are still, are, you know, the pandemic has changed everybody's business practices and travel practices. You can get people to come in and stay an extra day. You know, that's another way to sort of grow revenue. And then, of course, we've taught, we've touched on this, reducing expenses. And starts with the, the, the number one expense, right? If you can labor and personnel, do, do rooms, ask the guests. Just ask them, do you want your room cleaned every night? Do you need turndown service? Train the staff or use technology to shut off lights when the guests aren't in their rooms uh, to, to uh, reduce expenses there. 
if it's an older hotel and it's coming up at the end of its the term for its franchise, many now are looking at what we call the property improvement plan, the PIP to stay in as an existing whatever brand it is, or to basically down down brand into something else. What's that PIP? Uh, you can reduce your capex potentially if you can keep occupancy relatively strong and reduce your capital uh, requirements for a PIP. That's another way to reduce your expenses and help your bottom line. How active is deal flow in the hospitality space today? And do you see potential for M&A? The answer is yes. I mean, I think that when you've got stress, when the, the pandemic and post-pandemic, and now in this you know higher interest rates, there's going to be winners and losers. And I think that there is going to be, there will be consolidation. I think that uh, it'll be a, um, we'll see more of that, I think, over the next 12 to 24 months than maybe we saw in the previous 12 to 24 months. But it's a healthy industry, but you've got you've got uh, some players that are doing really, really well, others that are struggling a little bit. So keep, keep your eye open for M&A. Looking ahead, how is the sector positioning itself to deal with new customer demands? ongoing labor issues, and economic uncertainty. Well, kind of breaking that down, so you said new customer demands. I mean, there's, there is probably a limit on just how segmented this industry can get. You know, I mentioned the moxie earlier. But if there is, I, don't, I haven't seen it yet. I mean, these, these are really wonderful products coming in. And I think um, the brands are getting really, really good about identifying guest needs and their desires and then targeting that demographic and then providing that, right? That's that's great for the industry. Um, managers might be able to do a little bit better job at monetizing some of those needs once they're identified. We talked about that earlier, but I think the new customer demand is just, is going to continue. Uh, you mentioned labor issues. Labor issues, unfortunately, are also gonna continue. I mean, there is a uh, shortage of labor is the number one, the number one industry-wide issue uh, for hospitality. And I don't think there's a quick fix. Uh, hotel wage growth has outpassed, you know, retail and other. So, it, and it's going to keep accelerating. So, you know, it's not likely in my opinion to get any better without immigration reform. It, it's a, it's a really tough industry. It's probably the toughest job. One of the toughest jobs, uh, in America. Um, it's relatively low pay, Unfortunately, um, guests don't treat work uh, the hotel workers very, very poorly. It's hard to uh, attract and retain good talent. Technology, we talk, we touched on that a little bit earlier. Technology may reduce the amount of front desk, and I think it might be able to help a little bit. And we talked about asking guests if they really needed all of that help, but it's it is going to be, I think, a very pervasive, even if we have a light recession, it's going to be a pervasive issue for quite some time. When you talk about economic uncertainty, you know, you're not in this business if uncertainty, economic uncertainty scares you. You're not in hotels, right? Hotels go up, you know, they're the first uh, to feel the pinch There's uh, of, a, of a recession. They're usually the first to come charging out. There's been no sign that uh, fuel increases, you know, gas, uh, the even the threat of, you know, this, this stock market 20% decline or more bear market or the threat of inflation and uh, recession, none of that seems to have uh, dampened any of the appetite for this industry. So economic uncertainty, yeah, it's there. And it's there probably more than we've seen in 10 or 20 years. But I just really don't see that in itself really changing my outlook on this industry. Is there anything else that we haven't talked about that you're watching closely? 
I think you know Airbnb was a big topic several years ago. No, you haven't been hearing so much about it anymore, but it continues to. You know, it's a really strong competitor. I mean, you might even argue it is in the industry, right? It's in the hospitality industry, and it was a little bit of pandemic pop, but it's almost twenty percent of the lodging industry in twenty twenty, and that's up from about twelve percent in twenty nineteen. That's going to continue, and it's going to continue to bite in. It's sort of invisible when you're when you're buying or developing a hotel. You know, it's you can look at your uh, your competitor hotels. It's hard to judge. You know, Airbnb. Uh, availability, so it's going to be a it's going to be a competitor, and I don't know if that's a it's a good or a bad thing. Competition is typically good, but it is there, and I think it would you know for developing new hotels and then uh, and even stabilized assets. I think Airbnb and those threats will continue. I think the question it's also kicked around a lot is what's the new normal for business travel? We are not back. I mean, I think they're projecting maybe without taking inflation into consideration, 2023 to sort of be back for for uh, maybe business travel. I'm, I'm just, I don't know what that new normal is. I think Zoom has changed us all. I think it would be naive to think that it'll be just the same as it was before with business travel. So I don't know what that new normal is. I don't think anyone knows what that new normal is. So how will that affect the industry in the long term? And it, and it's likely to be a permanent trend. And I think we've touched on this, but the, you know, the, the, the margins are thinner. I mean, it's still very, everyone's still very optimistic about this industry, but the margins now are thinner, you know, with labor concerns, we talked about the interest rate creep and high construction costs, that's going to kind of continue to be some headwinds. They're going to slow this down. I think we're still optimistic, but how, how much headwinds are we going to, are we going to feel from those, those three items and, and, and how will the thinner margins, you know, because investors have choices, right? You could invest in this, in this industry or another industry. So how is this, you know, how are these thinner margins? How is that going to affect, you know, the, the buying and selling uh, and developing of hotels? And that's, that's something that is uh, particularly over the next 12 to 18 months is going to be interesting to watch. Daniel, thanks so much for your time today. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you for your time. And to our listeners, if you enjoyed today's podcast, please subscribe or leave a review on your favorite podcast platform.